Welcome to the Canberra Times Sports Podcast for the first time in a couple of weeks. My name is James Buckley and I have recently taken over the chair that Chris Dutton has so capably sat in for a number of years now. I'm joined by David Polkinghorn. Welcome, Polkster. Thanks for having me. What a wonderful week in uh, Canberra sport. So nice, nice, beautiful weather we're having to go along with it. Actually, it wasn't too bad out at Canberra Stadium, was it, on Saturday night, considering how ordinary the day did pan out. It wasn't too cold up in the external media box. Absolute rubbish. Broncos <laughs> come to town. It should be minus six. I don't know what God's doing, but uh, not happy. Anyway, uh, as far as I can tell, Polky, we are recording. This um, technology has moved fairly rapidly, if I'm honest, in the last five or six years. Yeah, you used to do this uh, by carrier pigeon. That is correct. Yeah, back in my older days, but that's all right. We'll do it by, what do you call this anyway? Google? Uh, Zoom. Zoom. Too confusing otherwise. Okay. Anyway, look, let's get straight into it. Uh, you mentioned that Broncos game. 36-8, to 8, the Raiders prevailing over the Broncos. It was 8-6 at halftime, though, Polky, and then uh, I guess normal order was restored. What did you make of it all? Well, it did sort of look a bit uh, a bit worrying there for the uh, the Raiders, didn't it? Um, they had sort of said, Josh Papali had sort of said during the week uh, they didn't really want to be the team that gave uh, gave the Broncos their second win since the coronavirus lockdown. Um, and it looked like it was a bit of a possibility. Um, the Broncos had a lot of possession. The, the Raiders had, I think, seven sets or six sets on their own line at one stage before finally conceding a try, and and I guess it looked like they could be in, in a bit of trouble, but uh, luckily after halftime, John Bateman decided enough was enough and just um, destroyed destroyed the Broncos, waltzed through their line a, a couple of times, and, um, yeah, five unanswered tries later, and it was a good old-fashioned shellacking that the, uh, the Broncos were more accustomed to. He's quite handy, John Bateman, isn't he? Third game back now from uh, that... That shoulder injury, which dragged on a bit longer than uh, than everyone would have liked, but he's really starting to hit his straps now. Yeah, he's. Uh, I guess the the Raiders all sort of talk about he's got that. Um, well, I prefer to say um, sheer bloody mindedness. Uh, really, he just doesn't like losing. Um, at some point, he he decides that uh, it's time it's time to win and. I don't know, it was like the parting of the seas there when uh, we finally had a run at that uh, the, the Broncos' left edge and just sort of went through and, and put George Williams away. Um, I did have a bit of a thought. I know he's obviously going home at the end of the season, back to back to England to be with family and that. Perhaps, perhaps Andrew Barr could um, speed up the new stadium a little bit and, and as part of the new stadium in Civic, we could build a castle there just on the edge of it and we could move the entire Bateman family out here, friends, family, the whole lot, bring them over. They could all live in the, in the castle there in, in on the stadium and um, that, that would make everyone happy. That would be worth it, I think. Um, I like it very much, Polky. Uh, have you considered running for politics at any stage in your career? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that would suck. Uh, well. Keep it in the back of your pocket there, mate. I like the way you're thinking. Look, um, just on 
John Bateman. He said after the game, which I thought was interesting, uh, they've won four out of their last five now since Josh Hodgson went down with that knee injury. He actually said that um, if you'd have offered them four out of five about a month ago, uh, you'd have almost bitten their hand off and taken it. So is that a is that a fair assessment? Do you think? Yeah. Well, I guess. I mean, who have they beaten apart from what, the the Roosters? They probably they probably should really be beating. Those teams shouldn't they? Um, they got the Roosters at been... the time when the Roosters were going very well, though. Yeah, pre pre uh, injury crisis for the Roosters. Now everyone's forgotten conveniently that they were fit for most of the season. But um, yeah, I, I think I think it's it's all good. I mean, the only game they've lost is uh, to to the Panthers. They had a bit of a, a, a well, either they had a bad first half or, or the Panthers had a, a particularly good first half. So. Um, I mean, you can you can forgive them that one, especially with the the lack of troops that they got at the moment. Um, hopefully, over the last six rounds, they could get a few players back. Emre Gould is probably only a couple of weeks away from from a return, um, and yeah, maybe C.S. Oliola might come back before the end of the the season. Not sure. Um, he's finally started eating non-pureed baby food, so uh, exciting time for him. He can eat a, a burger without putting it in the blender. Not too bad, uh, Polky. You mentioned the Roosters there and their injury crisis, and, and now they've been uh, left to rely on an ageing Sonny Bill Williams to get them home. It must, be, it must be tough up there being a rooster. I can only imagine the heartache their fans are going through right now, having mm. to deal with this injury-ravaged situation they find themselves in right now. Yeah, the first injuries they've had in three years. Um, well, uh, hopefully uh, bit, um, maybe some salary cap relief or something up there for them to <laughs> help them through this period. Well, I think they've already had it. Um, the NRL <laughs> just happened to happened to put Sonny Bill's value at the exact amount of room that they had in the salary cap, so make of that what you will. Um, just a couple of other small ones out of that Raiders game, Polky, before we go on to the, the clash with the Titans this weekend. Um, Andrew McFadden deputising for Ricky Stewart, whose bad back prevented him from scaling the stairs of the Malmeninga stand to attend the press conference. He raised an interesting point about Jack White and, and I guess the lack of protection he is receiving when kicking the football. Uh, what did you make of this situation? Well, it's been something that um, it's been sort of going on on for a while. Um, I know Ricky Stewart sort of raised it uh, probably. I think I think it was sometime in June, so a couple of months ago, he raised the, the same point that, um, that that Jack's getting hit late because uh, I mean, if if you don't if you don't basically put Jack on his back, then he's normally the one who's first to the kick receiver from his own kicks. Um, that, that's how effective a, a kick chaser he is. And um, oh, so it's been an, an ongoing issue. And apparently um, the word out of the, the Raiders is that the game against the Roosters uh, was especially bad with Jared Warrior Hargraves um, singled out as someone who's who is especially late uh, on um, mr whiten so keep your eyes uh, on that contest maybe in a couple of weeks time if if uh, hargraves is back in in the roosters lineup um 
I spoke to Graham Annesley on Sunday after the game just to sort of have a, a chat about the issue and, and he sort of said when they did their weekly review, they'd have a look through and if, if there was an issue, then he'd bring it up at the meeting. Um, he didn't bring it up at his, his weekly Monday press conference. So I can only assume that the, the NRL has given it the all clear and um, it's, uh, you know, um, a, a free hit on Jack uh, whenever you like, basically. It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting area at the moment, and I suspect the NRL officials probably have some other things that they're trying to take care of at the moment, such as learning the vagaries of the rules of the game. Um, there was, and I'll mention this quickly, a very interesting moment there on Saturday night in that Raiders Broncos game, where I think the Raiders challenged a call. While defending their line, Jack White was at marker and was adjudged to have knocked the ball on, where the replay showed that he didn't, in fact, make contact with the ball, um, at which point Steve Clark, who was overseeing the incident up in the bunker, decided he was going to try and rule a penalty against the Raiders for a marker infringement, which, as it turns out, he does not have the power to do when a challenge is referred in such a manner. So... We'll, well that, see. That's that's not actually true. So <laughs> you know how that, that that all dragged on, and no one really had any idea what was going on. Um, and I mean, we I had the luxury of being able to hear the the referees chatting chatting away there. And um, Graham Annesley actually went through this one on um, on on Monday yesterday, and uh, he said that once it, that the captains can't challenge on the markers being square or not. But once a challenge has been sent to the bunker, the bunker does have the power to then rule on that. So the, the bunker was right in then awarding a penalty to, to the Broncos and the Raiders would have kept their challenge because what they said was also right and they would have also been worse off as a result of the <laughs> challenge. <laughs> but the referee shouldn't have been allowed to then come in and say, but that's not a challengeable offence, and then talking the bunker out of making their ruling. So it was all a massive palaver, and uh, basically everyone, um, well, the the officials sort of basically cocked it up, really. Well, yeah, just a water set restarting to get on with it. Um, Rightio, just quickly, Pulpy, the Titans this week back on the road. Um, and the Titans aren't actually playing too bad at the moment. I mean, is this a... Is this a, a trickier game than maybe it, it looks on paper? Yeah, probably traditionally. Um, well, actually, traditionally, the, the Raiders probably have struggled a little bit against the, the Titans. I think they had a good record against them in, in recent. I think they won the last three, perhaps. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's a much harder game than the Brisbane Broncos, that's for sure. Um, although it will be a, a weakened Titans side. Jai Arrow's out. Um Dale Copley's out as well. Potentially Kevin Proctor, depending on tonight's judiciary result, could be out too. Um, but they've certainly got a few players back in form. Um, Ash Ash Taylor, I think, is, is finally starting to enjoy football again. Um, and, and AJ Brinson, who's someone the Raiders had, uh, had their eyes on for a little while, uh, a year or two ago. Um, I imagine he's, he's doing all right at fullback, I think, too. Okay, well, that's uh, now that's the early afternoon game on Saturday. 
up there, the Raiders and the Titans. And like we say, that precedes a game against the Battling Bulldogs and then the injury-ravaged Roosters. So uh, let's hope the Raiders can continue their good form. Anything else out of Raiders this week, Polky, we should be keeping our eye on? Oh, probably just um, it was good to hear Jack White and speaking um, on on Brent, the, uh, the allegedly awful abuse uh, and racist, potentially abusive of, um, of Brent Naden, a, a former uh, Raider, uh, now with the Penrith Panthers. Uh, eight, eight spectators were ejected from the Panthers-Warriors uh, game on, on the weekend and um, with, with Brent actually calling it out himself, uh, it's good good to see he's got the confidence to do that. Um, it's, it, I imagine it's not a very comfortable and easy position to be in. And, and it's good to hear Jack sort of backing up Brent. And also um, he was he was happy with the way the NRL's handled it. The NRL was, has been pretty quick in, in coming out and condemning racism and saying if, if these fans are responsible for it, they will receive uh, swift and severe punishment. So, um, yeah, I think I think that was nice to hear. Um, Jack's obviously, a, uh, like I said, an emerging Indigenous leader in, in the game and... Um, yeah, and he's uh, he, he would obviously know Brent Naden from uh, 2017, I think, was the, the season he was in the Raiders squad. Yeah, no, well said, Polky. It is, it is disgraceful behaviour. I mean, it's 2020 now and, and unfortunately it crops up every now and then. And, I mean, fair play to the NRL trying to, to act swiftly and, and trying to stamp it out because... There is absolutely no place for that in the game and in, in wider society. Uh, Polky, the Brumbies are back in action. They've had a week off since uh, a pretty ordinary loss, it must be said, to the Melbourne Rebels, their first of the Super Rugby AU. In fact, their first ever Super Rugby AU loss. Yeah, it's, um, I guess they were probably due, you'd have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Um yeah, I guess uh, well, hopefully hopefully none of the players ducked off. Uh, quite a few of the guys, obviously, from Sydney and that sort of thing. I know they were told not to, to go back home, to stay in the um, Canberra hotspot, as Queensland like to call it, um, with zero active cases. Anastasia Palaszczuk, uh, just a, a heads up there. That doesn't sound like a hotspot to me and stop ruining people's golf trips. Um yeah, it's good. Good to have them back. What is it? Tar week, isn't it? Up against the old, the old enemy. Tar week for the third time this year, up against the Waratahs, and going for a, I think a sixth straight win against the New South Wales Waratahs. So, and a chance to, I guess, just preserve that lead atop the Super Rugby AU standings. There is uh, only four points separating the top four teams. Um, the closest, uh, closest Super Rugby AU season ever. It, it certainly is. Um, and then the Western Force there uh, cut adrift down the bottom in their first season back in action. Um, but big game, Polky. And I was out there today at training um, speaking with Tom Wright, who we'll touch on in a moment. He's just re-signed a one-year contract extension. But... Um, I don't think this, this five-game winning streak, this recent dominance over the Tars, counts for anything, which uh, 
it's probably fair enough. Uh, this season in particular has changed at such a rapid pace um, and the Waratahs have found a bit of form themselves. I think they've won two in a row and they're scoring points left, right and centre. Uh, mm. I'm interested, Polky, just to ask you, a five-game winning streak is certainly nothing to be sneezed at. Does that offer some kind of a mental advantage or is it all about uh, that's in the past, we're just taking it one game at a time and giving <laughs> 110% for the boys? Well, I don't care what the Brumbies say. They can say they're taking it one game at a time and it doesn't mean anything. But it means a lot, to, I think, to the people of Canberra and the Brumbies fans. And so it should. Um, I mean, the, the Waratahs like to, to think of themselves as, uh, you know, the, the big boys up there in, in the big old city of Sydney. But, you know, really, they're just rubbish. And um, Well, that is a hot spot. It's, it's technically uh, and actually a hotspot. Anastasia, if, if you're listening, maybe have a look at the numbers in Sydney and compare them to Canberra <laughs> and uh, come back to us with your apology. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think, um, yeah, the, the Brumbies should go into this expecting to win and um, they, they should win, really. Um, I guess it was a bit of a an, an anomaly, the fact that they only just got over the line against the Waratahs, although that's probably even sweeter, isn't it? Uh, an after-the-siren victory. Can't get much better than that. That was fantastic. Uh, like I mentioned, Tommy Wright has re-signed for another year. Um, he's a young fellow who he's out on the wing now. He's capable of playing a number of positions in that back line. And two years ago, made his NRL debut for Manly uh, alongside the likes of uh, Tommy and Jake Trebojevic. And I had a good little chat out there today with him about playing alongside Tommy Turbo. And I thought if uh, if you are going to try and learn your craft as an outside back, Polky, there's probably not too many better in the game in any code than uh, than Tommy Turbo. Well, I guess it depends. Uh, as long as he's not, not learning how to stay fit and on the field, that's probably <laughs> something he wouldn't wouldn't be speaking to Tom about. Um, everything else he's, he's pretty good at. Um, but... Uh, Hamstring strength uh, probably isn't his um, his forte. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty handy, obviously different games. And um, Wright sort of made the made the move to back to, to rugby. So um, he's he's obviously had a pretty promising start. He's been he's been linked to the Wallabies. So um, you know, hopefully the the Brumbies can help him achieve that goal if and when international travel slash international rugby. Uh, reopens again, hopefully at the end of the year, but you, you never know. So, um, I guess it's a good good sign of faith for for the Brumbies, given I guess there is some uncertainty surrounding their future as well, with uh, uh, New Zealand flexing their uh, alleged muscles um, and saying they only want was it three three Australian teams, and then obviously certain aspects of the the rugby media thinking that that should um, see a Brumbies team at best merge with a Melbourne Rebels team, which is just mind-boggling. So um, I think that's a good a good show of faith in, in the Brumbies and the Brumbies' future as well. Yeah, and uh, I would expect over the next couple of weeks there will be quite a number of these re-signing announcements, which is definitely something for Brumbies fans to look forward to. Polky... A uh, story you wrote during the week, which I thought was absolutely fascinating, on Canberra cyclist Rory Sutherland, who has had a particularly tough time of it 
um, over in Spain in 2020. Um, tell us a bit about, about what Rory's been going through. Yeah, so I think it all started in December, December last year, I think it was. He, he'd signed, he's, he's a, a veteran cyclist, 38, um, coming towards the end of his career, um, signed with a, a new team, the Israel Startup Nation team, I think. I hope I've got that correct. Um, they're a new team that entered the, the World Tour this year. Um, I guess probably the most famous thing uh, is probably the signing of Chris Froome for, for 2021. Um, he, he was down at the, just meeting his teammates for the first ta time just before their team launched down in, um, I think uh, Tel Aviv, I think it is, in, in Israel. And uh, he was riding one of those, uh, I think it's an electric scooter um, with the, some of the guys and came off, broke his leg particularly badly. Um, had to spend a bit of time on his own in an Israeli hospital before flying back to back to his, his family in Spain. Um, then obviously the coronavirus hit. Uh, things are a lot worse in Spain than they, they have been here with thousands of people um, dying. They've been one of the, the hardest hit countries in, in the world. Um, and he had to endure a, a seven-week actual lockdown where no, you're only allowed to leave the house to, to buy food, basically, and that was one person per household. Um, I think per day you could go out. Um, his, his young kids weren't allowed outside to play at all, so imagine getting being cooped up in uh, a house with your, your young kids for seven weeks and um, see how much fun you're, you're having there. Um, and then to cap it all off, his, his father living in Canberra died, so... Uh, that was back in June, so, and, and with the travel restrictions and his rehab and, um, I guess, racing just sort of potentially starting up again, uh, uh, he wasn't able to come back back for the funeral either. That's a tragic story. That really is, Polky. Well done on the on the yarn. Absolutely fascinating. I mean, what a, what a horrific year and sequence of events to, to go through for for Rory. Um, a couple of other Canberra sports stories, I guess, during the week. Uh, the Cavalry had an announcement uh, last week. Frank Gailey, the much-loved pitcher from Philadelphia, has signed on for another year. Um, very, very handy. I think he's 34 now, but he says his shoulder is still holding up, and I think Possibly even more importantly, mentally, he's still got the fire in the belly, and he still thinks he can. Uh, he still thinks he can get anybody out. Uh, looks like a, a pretty a pretty good re-signing, Polky, for the Cavs. Yeah, he's uh, he's probably not. Uh, he's he's a Cam Baron now. He's sort of, I guess, he's had a similarly tough road, or as um, as probably Rory Sutherland, not not quite as bad. But we're, in his his first season down under, I think. Um, his, his wife had that uh, a terrible car accident driving down to, to Batemans Bay and that sort of her rehab led them to having to stay in Canberra well beyond the, you know, the three or four months that was originally planned just for the, the ABL season. And uh, they've since become, become citizens of, of Canberra. Um, and I think you went out and chatted to him the other day. I think he's, he's set up, um, he's doing baseball clinics uh, in in the community now um, yeah capital dugout it's called um really i mean fair play to him for a fellow who was 
I guess initially in Canberra, just for what he calls winter ball, uh, so the off-season from, I guess, what he was playing in America, and then from there was planning on travelling over to Europe and effectively living as a baseball nomad. Um, but like you say, his wife was in that, that accident uh, and it effectively grounded them here in Canberra and they've fallen in love with the place. And, uh, yeah, now with Capital Dugout, he's, he's really doing his best, I guess, to help the next generation of baseballers coming through, whether it's, uh, you know, whether you're playing at under 12s level or whether you're really keen to become the next member of the Canberra Cavalry. So he's a great one to have, uh, not only re-signed as part of the bullpen at the Cavalry, but also as a fellow to have about town. I think he's a he's a really nice bloke. Um, great news for the Cavs. Uh, just a couple more, Polky, while we're well, here. Just on that, before you move on, there's something about um, American pitchers coming to coming to Canberra and falling in love. Brian Grenning is is obviously uh, uh, another one who uh, was a fan favourite, um, who is now well and truly a Canberra, and he's got a, a young family here as well. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, like Frank said to me during the week, it was a uh, he likes the pace of life in Canberra, <laughs> which is a little bit different to Philadelphia, I can tell you. <laughs> so and 80, 80, kil- 80 kilometres down to 60 kilometres, back up to 80 kilometres, <laughs> is that, that the pace of life? Or? Yeah, I think, I think it's about 80 down to, to 10. Uh, when you come here, which which is great, it's a little bit cold, but it's um, it's not too bad. Very much uh, just a big country town in Napoki. Mm. Um, look, there's talk. Well, it's a little bit of speculation, I suppose. But uh, Michelle Heyman, could she be coming back to Cambria United? Oh, no idea. Um, if uh, anyone can get Michelle on the phone for us, that'd probably be a, a, hand, a handy start. She's um, she's certainly using her uh, the uh, her evasive skills that um, she's used to avoid defenders for many years to avoid any phone calls uh, from the Canberra Times as well. She's a very hard one to track down, but um, it, it'd be an interesting signing, I guess. It probably. Uh, Canberra United are probably now a team that's potentially lacking a little bit of a few senior players and a bit of that older leadership sort of thing. A lot of young players in the squad. Um, she could obviously add to that as a as a former Matilda and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether whether she can or whether she's interested or not, and, and whether she can re- recapture, I guess, that uh, golden boot form that she, um, I guess is known for here in, in Canberra. Yeah, it'd be fantastic to see her back, and uh, I suspect she still has plenty to offer. So we'll definitely keep tabs on that. But, uh, yeah, Michelle, if you're listening, feel free to uh, <laughs> to answer the phone. <laughs> We'd love to have a chat to you. Um, rightio, final thoughts, Pulpy. The, uh, the US Open of tennis looks like there's been a few more casualties, and... Uh, we have a big name who has unfortunately contracted the virus, I think. Yeah, well, Keen Nishikori um, is the, the latest tennis player. I think he's in Florida somewhere from memory. Um, he's the latest latest player to get the coronavirus. Um, it's just uh, – the, the and people are pulling out of the US Open. I think um, Simona Halep is one of the other mm. big names to, to drop out now. It's – you really wonder 
you know, what's why are they even considering going ahead? Um, and again, it, it seems Nick Kyrgios is the uh, the only voice of re reason in world tennis. It's um, yeah, it's it's a bizarre bizarre state of circumstances. Yeah, he's he's making some good points, I think, and it just goes to show you that uh, unfortunately this virus is still well and truly running rampant throughout the world, and professional sportsmen and women are certainly not immune. So. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Um, Radio Polka, we better leave it there. <laughs> I believe there's still a bit of writing to be done before the day is out. Yes, the day is still young. The paper still needs to be filled. That is correct, and that deadline remains as rigid as ever. We better uh, adhere to it. Uh, thanks for joining us, mate. It's been a pleasure. And uh, go Raiders. Go Raiders. Go Brumbies.